Welcome to Truth Revealed Ministries, the weekly broadcast from Soul Purpose Evangelical Church in Middletown, New York, with Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised, infallible, and impregnable Word of the Living God. Our prayer is that today's message draws you closer in your walk with Jesus Christ. And now, here's Pastor Albert. This morning, I have entitled for our message, Take Up Thy Cross and Follow Me. We're going to be reading from the book of Matthew this morning, chapter 16, and we're going to read from verses 24 through 28. Beginning at verse 24 of Matthew chapter 16, and the word of the Lord says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not Taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning, saints of the Most High God. Glory to God. I want to start out by just drawing our attention to one single word. The word is trisagian. Trisagian. It's a very important word, uh, a superlative, which means of high degree or high importance, uh, a quality or skill. Whenever God mentions something in the word of God twice, we are to take notice because it is of important value to our spiritual walk with God. In other words, if God, God is not repetitive. God is not the one that's going to say, know what I'm saying, know what I'm saying, know what I'm saying. He's going to repeat because he wants you to understand exactly where he's going. But whenever something is mentioned in the word of God three times, it becomes a superlative, a trisagian. Uh, We've heard the word thrice. Whenever God says something three times, it's of an extremely high importance or a high degree of value. Amen? That there's an ancient Jewish custom that whenever they spoke a word or spoke a phrase and they say it three times, it meant that that would go into eternity. In other words, it would be spoken and that meant it would last forever. And that was the ancient custom. And that's why we read in Scripture, when the angels cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then we read in Revelations 22 where Jesus says, Be 
behold, I am coming quickly. He says it three times in the same chapter. The scriptures are on the screen. Well, here this morning in our opening passage of scripture, three times in the gospel, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Hallelujah. And these words are recorded three times in the gospel, in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, and in the book of Luke. But in the book of John, there's no mention of denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following Jesus Christ. It's very important that we understand this because, again, the trisagian, it's a very important phrase. But this phrase is, is really three steps to discipleship. Glory to God. Three steps to being a follower of Christ. The Great Commission, go ye therefore and make disciples. Jesus never said go and make converts, which is what most churches do. We get people saved. We say hallelujah, glory to God. We give them a Bible. We tap them on their back and say well done, bravo. And we let them go all by themselves. And Jesus never said to go and make converts. I, I get so uh, uh, perplexed at sometimes people say we had 300 conversions this year, but the church has 20 people in it. Where's the life of the church? What about those that recycle themselves? Well, I don't like what this pastor's saying today, so I'll go to the other church down the street. Everything is great. The honeymoon is great until we disagree. And then we go and recycle ourselves. But the kingdom of God is growing by zero. Jesus never said to make converts. He says, go ye therefore and make disciples. It sounds simple enough, but you'll see that there's serious, a serious a thought that needs to be put in. We need to count the cost. So I want to cover these three areas this morning. The first thing he said, deny thyself. It is a huge order. We cannot underestimate what this statement means. Denying of self. First, let's begin by understanding that he prefaced that statement by saying, if, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Key word here is if. If isn't a command, but it is a decision you will have to make a conscious decision to become a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. And the very first step is to deny yourself. What exactly does it mean to deny yourself? I love that the very next verse, verse number 25, it says a little bit of what that answer is. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my name's sake will find it. And many will say, well, pastor, that sounds like a riddle to me. I have no idea what that means. So turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to break it down to you right now. Hallelujah. It's about to get broken down. Praise God. It deals with identification. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my name's sake, we'll find it. So let me give you an example. 
If, if we're on a train or we're in a, a mall and we happen to meet each other, we could talk about politics. We could talk about work. We could talk about careers. We could talk about all these different things. And the conversation can go on and on and on and on and on. And nothing interferes, right? Well, maybe politics because now we're all divided, right or left, right? And if you're right, you hate the left. And if you're left, you hate the right. It's ridiculous. That's a plan of hell to divide the community, to divide the church, and to render us powerless. Let me tell you, without unity, we have lost our place. We have lost our, our power. Hallelujah. But that's a sermon for another day. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But imagine in, in this conversation somebody says, hey, listen, what are you doing Sunday? I'm having a barbecue at my house. I would like you to come by with your whole family. Dun, 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 dun. Decision time. Do I identify with Christ or do I make up a phony story? Well, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. No, I'm sorry. I can't make it on Sunday. Well, why not? Because I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus Christ. Sunday is reserved for the Lord. I got to be in the courts of the living God on Sunday. I don't break that for nobody. Hallelujah. I'm going to be in the courts of the Lord. I'll tell you what. Why don't you come with me? How about that? Praise God. And then afterwards, we'll go to your barbecue together. Praise God. But let's give the glory to God. You see, the minute you mention Jesus Christ, I'm a Christian or I'm a servant of God, I'm a follower of Jesus, guess what? You have lost your life, your own identity. You have lost it in an identification with Jesus Christ. And they no longer see you as who you are with your name. They see you as now a Christian or they might put a label on you, a hallelujah, a Jesus freak, one of those. You know, you might, get, you might start getting name called but the reality is you have died to self and you have lost yourself in an identification with Jesus Christ and Jesus himself said if you lose your life for my name's sake you will find it but those that try to save their life they're like oh well you know I'm busy I don't got that you know they don't mention Jesus at all they're very careful not to mention it and they'll say some really validating statements like well I don't want to impose my faith on anyone I don't want to force myself on anyone I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable I need to be politically correct. Ask Jesus if he was politically correct when he hung on that cross, stripped naked, hallelujah, and he bore all the stripes and wounds and pain and suffering for all of our sin. Ask him if, if he wanted to be politically correct. Hallelujah. It's time to get over it. Glory to God. It's time to get over it. Here's another reason why people might not identify with Jesus. Because they say, oh my God, if I tell my boss, if I tell my coworkers, talking about Jesus is a career killer. They talk about it in politics. You talk about Jesus, it's suicide for a politician, right? It's a career killer in, in, in the things of, of the world. But I love that very next verse, verse 26. It gives us an answer again. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Saints of God, money in and of itself will not make you happy. 
Money doesn't solve all of life's problems. Some of the wealthiest people on earth, we read about them in the paper, they've committed suicide. With all the money in the world, Steve Jobs still died of cancer. With a lot of money in the bank, Michael Jackson still died. With five buildings worth of stuff, he couldn't take none of it with him. He became worm food, insect food. Let me tell you, this body one day will go into the ground. And what we do here determines where we will spend eternity. And so many of us, we forfeit quality time with our family, with our children, with our loved ones. And we only end up seeing each other in funerals and weddings. But what about the rest of the time? Well, I'm working. I need to get a new pair of shoes. I need to upgrade my car. I need to get a better place of living. Listen, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. When you surrender yourself, you come under the alignment of Jesus Christ, he'll work all that stuff out. He says, I have given you life and that more abundantly. I've got plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. I don't have plans to harm you. I don't got plans to make you poor and in poverty. That don't bring glory to God. Spend time with each other. And let me just make one final point because it's so important. We say, Pastor, denying myself, what, what does that mean exactly? Do you know what you're asking to deny myself? Yeah. Uh, 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 the whole part, like my whole being? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it's not such a foreign thing. For those of us that are married, men, when you marry your bride, number one, the Bible says you find favor with God. Hallelujah. So start living right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Put a ring on her. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Don't make me go down there today. Hallelujah. The Bible says you cleave to your wife. You deny yourself. So men, we don't have no problem cleaving to our wife, right? We forsake all others and we make her the one and only one. You and I, we're more one than anyone. Hallelujah. Right? Praise God. Because you and I are one flesh. Women, you marry your husband the same way. You deny all others. When everybody says, yo, boo, you looking good in them jeans, boo. They say, dude. Step. Speak to the hand. Right? I mean, come on. Praise God. So we don't have no problem forsaking all others, denying ourselves, submitting to another, right? So why is it that when we come to Christ, we, we start worrying about what the culture thinks, what society thinks, what is my family going to think, what are my friends going to think? Oh, my God, what are they going to think of me? Man, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. All I care about is what the Heavenly Father thinks of me. Glory to God. Laugh at me if you want to. It's all good. I know where I'm headed. Hallelujah. And in the end, we win. Glory to God. Amen. We got to come to Christ with a willing heart. 
We got to lay ourselves down and surrender to him. It's an act of our will. Let me, let me give you another illustration. There's a story I read this week of a really big, burly man, big guy, big guy, like, like pastor, big guy, big guy. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I ain't scared of y'all. Hallelujah. <laughs> I ain't scared of you today. Praise God. Amen. Big, burly man was drowning in the ocean. And a lifeguard, half of his size, jumped in to save him. This man was thrashing in the water and fighting for his life. He was trying to grab hold of anything around him. And the lifeguard said, oh, God, if I get near this dude, he's going to grab me, twist me into a little pretzel, and we're both going down. So the lifeguard made a decision. He goes, I, I got to just tread water. I got to just hang back a little bit. And let homeboy just get completely drained, depleted, completely exhausted. And when he almost loses the will to fight, then I'll come in and save his life. And that was his plan. And this guy, and if you see the cartoons, he goes, You know, the cartoons, right? Maybe I'm the only one. You ever watch Bugs Bunny? Hallelujah. Am I the only one? Praise God. Right? But when he gets to that one finger, that means it's done. I'm, I got no fight left in me. Praise God. And then the lifeguard swoops in and grabs him, puts his hand under his chin, and he gets him in a little headlock, and he says, relax. Guy can't do anything because he's exhausted. So he relaxes. And he yields to the lifeguard. Hallelujah. And then the lifeguard starts swimming and, and, and dragging this guy through the ocean current right back to the safety of the shore. And at the end, the guy looks at him. He goes, oh, my God. Dude, you saved my life. You don't realize that I was done. I was depleted. And the lifeguard looked at him and said, yeah, you know what? If I would have went any sooner, we'd both be dead right now. But I had to wait until you began to re stop resisting and stop fighting against the very one who is trying to save your life. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you today, church, for those that said, I don't have time for this God stuff. I don't know if I'm ready to commit my life to him. What will people think? You know, what that is is you're fighting against the very one who has come to save your soul from the fires of hell and damnation and all abomination. Hallelujah. He has come to give you life. And that more abundantly. But it requires a denial of self. A surrender of your will. Where you come to terms with yourself. And as big and bad and bold and beautiful and talented. And you got all these gifts. I could sing. Hallelujah. I could play. I could run. I'm an athlete. Right? No matter what gifts you got. You can't save yourself. You can't do it. Hallelujah. No one comes to the Father but through Christ Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. 
Buddha ain't going to help you. Mohammed ain't going to do it. Hallelujah. I say this every week, and I hope I'm not drilling it down, mashing it down till you get it. Hallelujah. Oprah Winfrey can't help you. Joel Osteen can't help you. Pastor Albert can't help you. Hallelujah. You need to surrender your life to Christ Jesus. There's no other way. No other way. No other way. Hallelujah. Stop fighting. Stop resisting. Just surrender. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. The cross. Take up thy cross. When Jesus spoke these words, his own disciples were like, huh? If you want to follow me, deny yourself. Take up thy cross and follow me. They had no clue what that meant. You and I do. But let me tell you how strange and how weird this statement may sound. It's like if you wanted to become a member of this church and you had a meeting and I said, well, praise the Lord. It's so wonderful to have you. If you'd like to be a member of this church, pick up your electric chair and follow us. Here, here's a lethal injection. I'd like you to grab this and take it and follow us. You use any device. That's how crazy it sounds. Like, what is this dude talking about? Pick up your cross. The cross was a symbol of shame. The cross was an instrument used for torture. It was an execution instrument. And whoever hung on it literally died hours and hours, sometimes days later, suffering, anguish. And Jesus saying, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. This dude is tripping. What is he talking about? It did sound strange, hallelujah, but we know exactly what Jesus was talking about because we know the power of the cross. Let me tell you, it's like water baptism, right? Water baptism is a symbolism of the grave and, and, and that the grave couldn't hold Jesus down and, and therefore the water can't hold you down. Water symbolizes being resurrected with Christ Jesus. That's why as a believer... A follower of Christ. We come to the understanding that we can't do it on our own. And we begin to surrender our life. And, and we decide that we're ready to go all in. And, and this water baptism is a public declaration that we belong to Jesus. It's a, a coming out of the closet party. Hallelujah. That's exactly what it is. I'm coming out of the closet. Are you scared of me today? Hallelujah. I ain't getting no amens. Praise God. Ain't no amens. Hallelujahs coming out. But I'm ready. I'm telling you, when you get a baptism, a water baptism, you're saying to the whole world, I don't care what you think. I identify with Christ. I want the world to know. I want the devil himself to know. I belong to Jesus. And I'm going to go into this water grave. And this water ain't going to hold me down. And if, even if the pastor holds me till the bubbles come out, I'm coming out. Hallelujah. And when I come out, I'm coming washed, cleansed, purified, baptized. Hallelujah.
This is why we don't baptize babies. We dedicate our babies to the Lord. Water baptism is when you come to the age of understanding, of reason, of, of knowledge of good and evil, and you make a decision for yourself that you decide to identify your life with Christ. But we dedicate our babies to the Lord so that they have the seal of God on them for the whole life. And the devil himself will try to come against them their whole life. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get older, they'll never depart. Saints of God, Jesus embraced his cross. And it's funny, we just had Resurrection Sunday last week. Praise God. But he embraced his cross. He, it was for the cross that he came in the first place. We would be making a grave mistake by thinking that the cross was something that just happened to Jesus. Or it was something that could have been prevented. You know, even, what was it, Peter? He said, Lord, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. If it's true what you said, we can't let you go. And he looked at him and said, Satan, get thee behind me. The devil is speaking through you. I wish I could say that to some people. Hallelujah. Come to me with this nonsense. Go, Satan. Hallelujah. People be leaving the church. Pastor, call me Satan. Can't believe him. Who does he think he is? We start getting offended so easily. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the death on the cross was the very reason why Jesus came to earth in the first place. There's no place for us to see Jesus as a martyr. He didn't die for the faith. He died so that we could have life. Hallelujah. He died to pay the price, to pay the cost for our sin. He wasn't a martyr. He's the Lord. He said, I have the power to lay my life down and to take it up again. Yes. Glory to God. The cross was the collision course between God and sin. The cross was a supreme triumph. Hallelujah. The cross of Christ shook the very foundations of hell itself. All the pain, the shame, the suffering, the cost was absorbed by Jesus Christ himself. He took it. He took your price. He paid the price. And the justice of God was satisfied. And it's through the cross that we now are reconciled back to the Father. Hallelujah. He made it possible. Hallelujah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. At the heart of our salvation is the cross of Christ. The cross is the key to open up our eternal relationship with God the Father. The cross is the place of our identification with Jesus. The cross is where we sign our death certificate to the sinful nature. The cross is where we deny ourselves any claim or any right we have to our old sinful lifestyle. The cross is the place where we put to death our old man. Just like what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ 
lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Thank you for the cross, oh God. Let me tell you a little story. There was a little boy who was lost. God only knows how he got lost. But he was trying to find his way home, and for some reason or another, he just couldn't find himself anywhere. He didn't recognize anywhere that he was at. He wandered off away from his home, and he went too far away, and he comes to a place where he's distraught, and he's crying, and he's weeping, and he, he doesn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, a stranger comes, and he says, little boy, what's the problem? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know where I live. I, I don't know how to get home. I, I don't know what happened. I, I wandered off, and I, I can't remember how to find my way back home. The guy looks at him, he says, do you remember the name of the street? No, I don't know. Do you remember the phone number? No, I don't know. Is there anything that you remember about your home? He goes, well, I do remember one thing. He says, there's a building next to my house, and it has a big cross on it. Stranger looks at the kid and says, I know where that is. I know exactly where that is. He takes the kid by the hand. He says, come on, I'm going to take you to that building. And he walks a couple of blocks, makes a couple of turns, left, right. And they get to the building with the big cross on it. That would be a church, by the way. Hallelujah. And when the kid sees the cross and he sees the big building, all of a sudden, he says, I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at. My house is right over there. He goes, thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. He runs home and goes to his house. In other words, when he found the cross, he found his home. Saints of God, when you find the cross, you will find yourself home. <laughs> Lastly, he says, follow me. Follow me. Do you know what it means to follow the Lord? That means to stay, to remain in close proximity to the Lord. All right, how many animal lovers do we have in the room? Hallelujah. Praise God. Pow, that's my girl right there. Hallelujah. That's my little girl. Hallelujah. Her name is Suki. I call her Suki Monster. Hallelujah. She's a cute little thing, man. Hallelujah. And my wife gets mad because I have her tail dyed every time. Right now, it's pink. We've had all colors of the rainbow on this kid. But Suki, let me tell you, when I get home, Suki, before I even put the key in the door, she's like, scratching the door, scratching the door. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. Daddy's home. She loves me. And I love her. And she wags her tail. She, she waits for me to open the door. And when I open the door, she's jumping up and down, jumping up, licking me and wagging her tail. And she's so happy to see me. Sometimes I think she's happier to see me than my whole family. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. She follows me when I put my keys down. She follows me. If I happen to go to the bathroom, she's right at the door. Praise God. Sometimes she wants to be in the bathroom, sitting by my feet. And I love it. 
It's true. She follows me to the living room, and the minute I sit down, she's boom. She jumps right on my lap. Or sometimes she'll stay right by my feet. Sometimes she even lays down on top of my feet. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to her, if I'm playing with her, or even if I'm absolutely ignoring her. She's right there. Where are you going, master? Where are you going? Where are you going? All right, I'm right there. I'm right next to you. She knows who's the pack leader in the house. Hallelujah. And let me tell you the truth, because I got to confess and tell the truth while I'm on the pulpit. Hallelujah. My wife feeds her. My wife takes care of her. Hallelujah. My wife makes sure that her, her pads are put in place. My wife makes sure that she's got cold water to drink. My wife is always pre make sure she got her toys, everything. But she ain't like that with my wife. She knows who's the leader in the house. Praise God. The pack leader. Turn your neighbor and say, it's good to be the king. Hallelujah. It's good to be the king. Hallelujah. But you're my queen, boo. You're my queen. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, the reason why I bring this up for all you animal lovers out there is for one simple fact. How sweet it would be if this is the way we drew near to God on a daily basis. Father God, I, I haven't heard from you today, but I'm right there with you. I don't know if you're listening to me, but I'm right there with you. Wagging our tail. Lord Jesus, here I am. Woo here I am, Dad. Here I am. Hallelujah. Woof, woof. Can you hear me, Lord? Can you hear me? All I want to do is be, oh, you want to sit down? Let's sit down then. That's what we're doing. Oh, you want to watch some TV? Praise the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Oh, it's time to eat. Maybe you could throw me a little scrap. Hallelujah. Wait, I'll wait for it. I'll be patient. You don't have to give me the whole piece of chicken, just a little piece. I know you get the big piece of chicken because you're the one in charge here. You get the big piece of chicken. But I just want a little nibble. You could I'll wait right here. And then you throw it, go like, catch. Just to show you I got skills. Maybe you throw me another piece. <laughs> right? But listen, how sweet would it be if the people of God would draw near to the Lord, their master, their Lord, their Savior. If you call him Lord, that means you're under his lordship. If he is your master, that means you'll be next to the master's side. You'll be by his feet. you lay your crown at his feet. Hallelujah. You're just happy to be in the room with the Lord. Hallelujah. And so many of us come to church and we got a stank attitude. Hallelujah. My mom made me come here. I don't even want to be here right now. God, have mercy on us. Have mercy, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Following Christ means to walk in his footsteps. It means patterning your life after his life. It means wanting, how about this, wanting to be like him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Reflecting his glory on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor, say, it is possible. It is possible. 
It is absolutely possible. The Bible says you are his ambassadors. You represent heaven here on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Here's another one. This, this one's going to blow your socks off. Hallelujah. You ready for this? John 14, 12. Most assuredly, these are Jesus' words. They're read in your Bible. That means Jesus is saying these words, right? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Hallelujah. Do you know that God releases power, authority, dominion, anointing, healing, all of that right now here in our day? It is available to you. You can walk in it every single day. That's the truth. You don't have to. You could choose not to. Hallelujah. But that, that don't make it my choice. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example of how true this statement is. As you know, we have a, a, a radio ministry, Truth Revealed Radio Ministries. It's all in the New York City metropolitan area. It covers over 8 million listeners. Let me tell you, on Jesus' best day, he could only talk to about 5,000 people. On the very best day. But today, that ministry can reach over 8 million People. He says, greater things will you do in my name than what I did when I walked on earth. Not only that, 8 million people are just in the New York City metropolitan area. But that program, that podcast goes throughout the whole world. Someone from Russia can stumble on and go, oh, praise God. And maybe put on Google Translate, praise God, and get the whole message. There's something about the word of God. It cannot be mistaken. We can't miss it. Follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. You will bear much fruit. You will share the good news. You will become an evangelist. Hallelujah. Guess what? Every single one of you in this room is an evangelist. Every single one of you. You don't have to like it, but it's true. Hallelujah. We're all evangelists. We're supposed to carry out the mission on earth. And how do we do this? By staying in close contact with Jesus. Let me give you another illustration with the solar system. I read this a couple of days ago. It's pretty cool. The planet Mercury is very hot. Why is it hot? The planet Pluto is very cold. Why is it cold? Mercury is hot because it's closest to the sun. Pluto remains very cold because it's further away from the sun at all times. Some people are Mercury Christians, whereas other people are Pluto Christians. And then you have a lot of other Christians that are just simply earthly Christians, which is a mixture of hot and cold. The lukewarm church, the lukewarm Laodicean church, praise God, that they want the world 
Monday through Saturday, and they want church on Sunday. They want to be holy on Sunday, and they want to be just like the devil himself Monday through Saturday. God calls that lukewarm. They're the ones that are on Facebook going, yo, with a drink in their hand, yo. Praise God. God is looking for those that want to stay close to the Son, S-O-N. Those Christians that are going to stay close to the Father, close in their walk with God. Jesus said, this walk is not going to be easy. There's a cost to following Christ. You will lose people. Your family won't call. They won't come to your parties anymore. They won't want to visit you. They don't want to be around you because you bring the light of God's glory. When you walk into the room, bam, the, the light of Christ. People stop telling dirty jokes. Oh, shh, shh. Wait a minute. And you're like, hey, hey guys, good morning. You grab your coffee. Take care. Peace. God bless you. <sighs> Thank God she's out of here. <sighs> when you become a follower of Christ, there's an authority that, that people start apologizing. Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to say that in front of you. Why? You didn't ask anybody to do anything. It's an authority, the light. The light exposes the darkness. Guess what? Light always wins. But there's a cost. There's a cost of following Christ. Jesus said in John 15, 18 through 19, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Saints of God, listen, following Jesus Christ is not easy. It's the path that, that is least traveled. Matthew 7, it says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, but bec because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. We sing a song in this church, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? It's the road marked with pain and suffering. Luke 6, 22 through 23, blessed are you when men hate you. And when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. That means when they're talking about you like a dirty dog, rejoice. Hallelujah. Rejoice. For indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. And it leads me to my conclusion. What are the benefits of being a disciple, a follower of Christ? I'm going to go through this quickly, but pay attention. Hallelujah. The first thing on the list, normalcy. How about that? Hallelujah. Being normal. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank God you're normal. Hallelujah. Let me break it down. Adam was created normal. When he walked on earth and he had dominion over the earth and, and, and there were no limitations, he was full of wisdom and, and he was able to name every plant, every tree, every fish, every bird, every a beast of the field. He walked with God in the cool of every day. We don't read about Adam praying. We don't read about Adam worshiping. 
We don't read about Adam doing devotions or any of that. Why? Because he had direct fellowship with God. It was normal. He walked with God in paradise. And we all know that sin changed all that. Disease, death, disorder, all that stuff. It brought forth abnormality. When sin came into the world, when sin entered the garden, it brought abnormality to our world. But here's the thing. When Jesus died and rose again, and those who believe on him, those who receive him into their heart, they are now reconciled back to God, and they are brought back to the place of normalcy. Hallelujah. You that are in Christ Jesus are normal. The world that we live in is abnormal. Don't ever get it twisted. Hallelujah. Number two, you are made brand new. We talked about it last week. Hallelujah. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. When you come to Christ, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me tell you, God knows how to take your case. That's right, your dirty case. Hallelujah. He specializes in his transcendent glory to take the busted up rubble, the ashes of your life where tender shoots of grass will start to grow from the rubble that was your life. And his transcendent glory is able to make all things new. Hallelujah. A disciple of Christ, guess what? You're on the winning side. Praise God. The Bible says weeping may endure for a moment, for an evening, but joy comes in the morning. How about this? Praise God. You become part of the body of Christ. Let me tell you something, which is absolutely true. Your own siblings, if they are not following Christ, when, when they die, it's over. Not for them, because they may have to face the second death apart from Christ for eternity. But when they die, if they're not followers of Christ, the severed relationship is over. That's it. But those who are in Christ Jesus will live forever and ever and ever. Guess what? This family of believers, look to your neighbor. Tell them, I'm going to be with you forever. Hallelujah. So don't get tired of me, praise God, because I'm going to be with you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. And you're going to be reunited with those that went to the Father before you. Dana, you're going to introduce me to your grandma. I can't wait to meet her. Hallelujah. We're going to have tea in heaven. Hallelujah. Right? Listen, there's going to be a day of rejoicing. What a day of rejoicing that will be. But it comes with a price. Hallelujah. You need to follow Christ now in the land of the living. You need to bear the burden. Hallelujah. You need to share in the footsteps of Jesus and follow after the Lord and stop making excuses. Hallelujah. Man up. Woman up. Gird up thy loins. Praise God. The whole world hates Christians. The whole world is coming out of the closet. The whole world is full of abomination and corruption. They're killing our babies. They're, they're, they're lying to each other right from the TV screen. And the whole world is abominable. But you are the light of Christ's glory here on earth. Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed of who you are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's time for the church to stop being so, so scared. 
Open your mouth. Hallelujah. Open your mouth. Hallelujah. How about this? He's coming again. Hallelujah. And when the trumpet sounds, deuces, I'm out of here. Hallelujah. You'll be up in heaven solo. You'll be gone. Deuces. I'll see you in seven years. I hope you make it. I'll be back. Right? Because when the rapture, the rapture of the church happens, seven-year tribulation begins on earth. The judgment, hallelujah, begins. And in seven years, at the end of that time, we're going to come back with the Lord, the redeemed, dressed in fine white linen, on white horses, hallelujah, the army of the Lord, hallelujah. And we'll come back to earth and reign with the Lord for a thousand years, glory to God. He says, I am coming quickly. Revelations 3.10, it says, he will keep you from the hour of trial that falls upon the earth. Pastor John Hagee, there's a quote from him. He says, if Jesus doesn't judge the USA, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me tell you, our day of judgment is coming. I can, I can talk for the next hour. Maybe I will. No, I'm kidding. Hallelujah. Everybody start manifesting. Yo, Pastor, cut it, dude. Come on, man. But I could go down the prophetic path. Let me tell you, church, there's no more time left. We may not make it out of this service. Hallelujah. Jesus could come at any time. At any time. There's no prophetic prophecies that need to take place right now. They're all done. Everything else takes place after the rapture of the church. Are you ready? Jesus said, as a disciple, you are adopted into the family of God. That means you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's good news. That means whatever the Father gave him, whatever he's entitled to, guess what? You are entitled to that too. Hallelujah. Praise God. Romans 8, 16, 17. It says, the Spirit, because see, I got to tell you because you might think I'm, I'm not telling you the truth. You got to hear it for yourself. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Can I just put a little lie to rest this morning? It's a lie we hear a lot out of Oprah Winfrey's mouth. But she says, we're all children of God. There are many paths to God. No, there isn't. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But let me tell you, John 1, 2, 1, 12, it says, But as many as has received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. So don't believe the hype. We're all children of God. No, we're not. If you are a follower, a disciple of Christ, blood brought, washed by the blood of the Lamb, under identification with Jesus, hallelujah, under the Lordship of Christ, then you and me will be together forever and ever and ever in the glory of his Father's kingdom, hallelujah. But if not, peace out. I'll catch you later because I'm out of here. 
Lastly, eternal life. If that's not motivation to follow Christ Jesus, I don't know what is. Let me tell you, the truth is, everyone in this room, we're all going to live forever. That's a true statement. Death is part of the physical body. The, 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 The physical body dies. We're not meant to live forever in this tent. It will go to the grave. But your spirit lives forever. The question that everyone needs to answer today, before you walk out, is what is the condition of your eternal soul? Will you be with the Father or will you be away, which is what the Bible calls the second death? There's a, a phrase that I love. It says, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Hallelujah. God's grace is sufficient for you. This is my third close. Right? I said I closed like three times. Hallelujah. This time I mean it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Illustration. There's a young lady that was speeding in a small Georgia town. She was driving 70 miles per hour in a 50 mile per hour zone. The police pulled her over and gave her a ticket. She had to appear before the judge in court. And in the courtroom, the judge found her guilty of speeding. And she would have to pay a $100 fine or spend a weekend in jail. The woman pleaded with the judge and said, Your Honor, I know I'm guilty. I was wrong, but I just don't have the money. I lost my job. I have four small children in my home, and I can barely make it. My husband left me. I have nothing I'm barely making it. The judge said, well, listen, if you don't pay, we have no choice but to lock you up for the weekend. The woman began weeping and sobbing. Please, Your Honor, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. I deserve this punishment, but I just can't pay the fine. Please have mercy on me. Please. The judge told her, lady, I can't change the law. The law says either you pay the fine or you go to jail. Those are the rules. I can't even change them myself. She wept and spoke up one more time. Isn't there something you can do? I can't pay, but I can't get locked up. I have no one to care for my children. Please, Your Honor, have mercy on me. I beg you, please. The judge looked upon this lady with compassion. He got up from his bench and unzipped his robe and took it off. He went down to the court clerk and pulled $100 out of his wallet and gave it to the clerk. He then returned to the bench and put his robe back on and zipped it right back up. And he tells a lady, lady, you have been found guilty of speeding. Ah, but I see here that someone has paid your fine. You are free to go. Please drive Safely. Let me tell you, people, every single one of us have been driving fast on the highway of sin. And Jesus zipped off his robe, his deity, and he put on the jacket of humanity. And he came down and walked among us, and he paid our fine. He paid your price, my price, that we could never afford, we could never pay for on our own. He picked up the tab. 
He rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. And he told his father, Father, here's the fee. Now God can legally dismiss your case because someone else paid your fine. The question is, will you follow him today? Are you prepared to deny your own way and surrender your will to his? The Bible says there's only one reason why people won't follow Christ. And you want to know what it is? Because they refuse to believe. It doesn't say that they can't believe. It's that they refuse to believe. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they refused to believe that Jesus was the Christ. They didn't want to give up their lifestyle, give up their position or their reputation. Don't refuse to believe in the Son of God who took your place. Why not surrender now, take up your cross, and follow him? Glory to God. God bless you, saints of God, this morning. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. You are all in our prayers. We're able to bring this radio ministry to you because of the generous support of listeners like you. If you've been blessed by today's program, please consider partnering with us with a love offering of any amount. Visit our website, specchurch.net, or call us at 845-342-9989. That's specchurch.net, or call us at 845-342-9989. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday soon. We thank you for your prayers and support. God bless you.